Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Pink Guardian. Hey, Jared Brennan is sick, but we also have Billy Spitfire, Billy Spitfire Unlimited. That's right. Hey, everybody, it's me, Todd Novak. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. We are thrilled to death. You are listening to our little show, the Guitar Knobs podcast. Uh, uh, Billy... I'm going to ask you just real quick. Do you think we have any special guests? That's right, Tony, we do. Special guests, who are you? really special guests. I'm Trey Bourgeois of Retroactive Pedals. And I'm Tyler Blanchard, a.k.a. Tree Moss the Visualizer. Mm. Tree Moss the Visualizer. Man, you need like a, you you must have a good rap game going. (laughs) That's the audio Elizer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, uh, these two dudes are from Retroactive Pedals, and we're really excited to talk to them. We're going to learn all about what they make, why they make it, and the fun they have when making it. And who they make it for. And who they make it for. That's, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe learn that too. Um, we're going to also talk about all kinds of cool gear stuff. I love it. Uh, and and to, Billy, what do we have to do on the show? For anybody that might be joining for the very first time. We talk about the stuff. Perfect. Tony, <laughs> would you like to elaborate on that? I will. Uh, <laughs> we like to talk about boutique stuff. Yes. Specifically, the builders yeah. and the makers and the movers and the shakers of boutique stuff. Yeah. And that stuff includes things like guitars and amps and pedals and accessories and demos, pick and, guards and pickups and all kinds of junk. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and this t- tonight we're going to be covering off on these delicious pedals that they're making. Mm. Uh, one of which we have right in front of us, which, uh, we'll get to talking about pretty soon. But in the meantime, guys, where can they go learn about your wares? At the moment, we are on um, www.retroactivepedals.com. We're on Instagram at retroactive underscore pedals. And Tyler, as my social media kind of guru guy, he has set us up on TikTok. And you might have to tell him the name on there because I don't really go on it. It's just a retroactive pedal. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) Perfect. Well, not surprising. That's yeah. a, that makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, and, so uh, you know, we have a YouTube, I think, as well. Like we're trying to get cool. that going a little bit more. Uh, so you know, if you could, we have a channel on YouTube, and we're going to try to do a little bit more video content. Um, it's hard yeah. to do all that stuff. You know, it is. That's why I got Tyler on board. You know, Tyler and I have known each other for a couple years now. Um, and he has his own podcast, and he runs marketing um, campaigns for other companies. And I thought that he would be a great guy to bring on to sort of um, expand where I was at with Retroactive, just being by myself. Yeah. And so, you know, he he really showed me a lot in that regard, you know, and getting that stuff set up. So, because um, if it was up to me, I obviously would kind of stick to Instagram just because that's where in, that's where Retroactive was kind of born. And I think at a certain time, that's where a lot of companies were kind of born in a way. Yeah. Um, so you get a little bit I'm, of sea change right now in, yeah. in certain ways. And, you know, I'm just like, I don't want to keep up with it, unfortunately. So I keep Tyler around so he can keep up with it for me. Oh, nice. So what's, what's going to be the next Instagram? Um, Tyler probably would know better than me. They didn't make it yet. We're, we're, I know, we're, but if you... On the verge of where that end up 
because you see how the micro videos are just completely sucking in the public. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a platform that's not going to be so heavily conspired against (laughs) based off of who's eating that algorithm. Mm. Um, Not to name any names there, but... It's not going to be what we have now. It's it's give it a five years, you'll see a new platform emerge, and they're going to really kind of give it back to the audience rather than just being served by the algorithm. I think we're all hoping and counting on something like that. It's called MySpace Two Point. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Will that be available on AOL? Yeah. (laughs) Only only if you subscribe to Yahoo News. Oh God. Uh, well, so let's get on with this, ladies and gentlemen. We have an awful lot of cool gear stuff to talk about. Thank you for joining us tonight. Tonight. Or today, wherever you're at. Maybe you're like, dude, it's it's like 8 in the morning. I'm trying to like drive around all these yahoos, and it's bringing me down. Yeah, but it's night But we're somewhere. about to bring you up, baby. Yeah. All right. Uh, we need to just say thanks to Bro. for providing Bro. our awesome audio gear, our microphones, the po- the Rodecaster Pro, Bro, and the, and the uh, <laughs> Procaster mics. Yes, I almost forgot. But easy for you to say. Yeah, I know. Uh, Good stuff with articulating arms. That is correct. Um, I'm going to just jump because we got a lot to do. I'm just okay. going to jump right into. You're let's get into going it. on. What what's going on in our music world this week? No other announcements. Tanya Bolonsky is going to lead us off, yes. and then we're going to check in with our friends Trey and Tyler, okay. and then we'll hit the rest of us, okay? Okay. Do it, Tony. Well, thank you, Todd, for that invitation. Um, I would just, uh, today I brought in for the boys to, to take a look at it, Show and Tell Day. Um, is it Tell and Show? No, Show and Tell. Show and Tell Day. Um, a, um, a guitar that I, I've always had in my eye on, mm-hmm. but... I never really wanted to spend the money to do it. Yeah. So I found, and, and those listeners who, um, who are familiar with, with my buying habits. Yeah. <laughs> he's boutique, <laughs> but he's cheap. <laughs> but I end up spending enough to, to bring he, it back into He does spend an awful lot on, on like real gear, too. Yes. That yes. just means. But I have, long story short, I, w- I was perusing. My friends at DH Gate, yeah. and they had a very nice. No, I know chuckling over there. Uh, they had a very nice uh, Gretsch style Billy Bow, yeah. and for those Quote, who, style style, yeah, <laughs> heavy on the style, uh, light on the Gretsch, yeah, and um, and it's 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 actually. I had some coupons and some other crazy stuff, so. I think with shipping and everything, it came to like $267, okay? So I said, well, you know what? $267, I'll, I'll rule the dice on that. That's sure. nothing. So um, so it did, I mean, and with, with all these things, it takes longer than you think to get here. It's going to, you know, this one took about a month and a half to get here. And when I got it, I opened it up and I said, wow, this is actually pretty cool. Now, cosmetically, there were some weird things and they obviously didn't use the right pickups. But um, what I typically do with any of these projects is I gut them and I replace the tuners. I replace all the electronics. I do a fret job on them. And um, 
nine times out of ten, they turn into a pretty decent guitar. And this is this one is actually a, a, a really good example. Uh, out of all the uh, Chinese guitars that I've bought, this one actually um, is is one of the nicer playing. It was it was set up pretty well. It looks well. great. I mean, you'd be, you'd, I think you'd actually be pretty hard pressed. Well, yeah. I mean, I put the right pickups in the TV Jones pickups and wired it properly and put Grover the proper Grover tuners onto the stay tights and it's it's just a really cool guitar. Now, I mean, a connoisseur would know some of the differences, but I mean, in terms of the shape of the body and everything, it's it's the, it's it's one hundred percent right. Yeah. So beautiful color too. Yeah, it's it's, it's like done that in the red. Well, it's it's done in the in Jet Firebird color, so it has yeah, a or red Corvette top. Red. Well, Jet Firebird, Gretsch was a model, <laughs> and actually that's what Bo Diddley p- played originally was a Jet really? Firebird, and yeah, it has a Corvette. A, well, he probably did have a Corvette by probably the end. six of them. Yeah, yeah, like a Pokemon. I saw Corvette. Bo Diddley one time. Did really? you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was playing one of those cigar box guitars, and, oh, yeah. and he had the uh, the bow, whatever. He had like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Billy Bow. The Billy, the Billy Bow. Bo. The Billy Bow, yeah. So yeah. anyhow, long story short, you know, I think with with all the parts and everything, you know, I'm, for about 500 bucks, I think it's a, you know, it's a pretty, it's a stage-worthy guitar. I mean. Yeah, the case was. The case costs more than, than the, the guitar. guitar. Or yeah. as much, almost as much as the guitar, because these guitars. case. Well, it's it is a, a rich case, Gretsch and that's case. the only thing that fits this <laughs> yes. model because it's surprisingly the the one horn is as long as a flying V, so it's like it's a crazy. It's like a stretched it's such out a weird guitar. guitar. It is, but as we were talking earlier, it's an incredibly comfortable he guitar must have to been play. So high when he designed that thing, I swear, like yeah. he had to have been like just flipping. Yeah. Wow. So there you have it. Well, that's cool, Tony. So that's to me is a good week. It's, it's would, you, it, would you recommend more DH gate guitars like the gamble? Is it worth it? You I, have to be very careful, and um, you know, a lot of times uh, you kind of look at the seller, see how many transactions they've had, what kind of feedback that they've had. Um, I will tell you this, that in my experience, I've had about a 50% success rate. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that, you know, sometimes... But you, you end up getting like two guitars back. Well, every uh, once in a while, you know, I mean, people screw up and they ship it to the wrong place. I mean, I've never had a problem uh, getting my money back on something that was lost or never shipped. Um, but and, and when I say a 50%... Uh, rate uh, or fifty percent. Uh, you should say what is the absolute failure rate, because the success rate is negligible. Because yeah, I mean, you ended I, up I, with like, oh, we're just going to send well, you another guitar. You can keep the wrong one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a prime example. I, I ordered. This was when I first started ordering from them. I I, I wanted a uh, a Dan Armstrong style clear plexi guitar. Well, they sent me a bass, <laughs> and I said, I ordered a guitar, and they said, oh. Well, how about uh, will you cover shipping for the guitar? And it was like a hundred bucks. I said, okay. He's got a matching pair of Dan Armstrong. Wow, style, style. <laughs> wow, of a kind man. That's awesome. Hey, it is. I, ha- I have a boat that needs an anchor. Yeah, <laughs> that is an excellent boat anchor. Well, and, and sitting in here is what I got given to me for a birthday a little while back, which is uh, uh, like an Epiphone Sheraton Union Jack. Uh, actually, it says Gibson on the top. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, um, it must be. Happy Chichester with was a, re- admiring that guitar yeah? last week. Yeah, he was in for recording. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. 
And then, and, and you know, it's got a it's got a Bigsby style Bigsby <laughs> but, with the, but the logo upside, upside down. down. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing plays great. We got it all dialed in, and I love that guitar because it was given to me as a gift. So it's not about like, oh, I have the exact thing. It's like yeah, it's a cool thing. It's yeah. an homage. Yeah, yeah. So to answer your question, so, um, yes and no. Buyer beware. And you can, I mean, if you if you play your cards right, you can usually end up with something decent, but it's going to need work. I think it's a great outlet for real specialty guitars. Like if you're like, man, I've wanted a Randy Rhodes polka dot V for the longest time. Well, or you can pay, you know, you can go get the real one. And that's going to be a grip. Or yeah. you can. I'm glad you said that because I rolled those dice before, and I wanted the Ouija board Kirk Hammett. Oh, yes, oh yeah. yeah. Nice. So I did, I ordered this and I'm a lefty. So like it just doesn't exist as a left-handed guitar. Yep. And on DH gate 2009, I decided, Hey, I'm a, I'm a try 250 bucks. And it's a real ESP. <laughs> sure. <laughs> real. real. Quote, quote, real. <laughs> it's a real, real good ESP. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a it's real a close ESP. <laughs> <laughs> Two months later, this thing shows up. And it's the white one with the black graphic on a lefty. And it looked phenomenal. Like, it looked great. And as soon as I picked it up, it literally, like, almost fell apart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Should have just left it in the package and, like, used as a display piece. Yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. The playability was completely trashed but yeah. it looked super cool <laughs> well i will say that in probably the last five years uh that they have gotten they have improved the awesome. manufacturers are, are, are making better products over there and i think you even They're see all that coming from samic aren't they well no <laughs> no although samic is the world's largest guitar producer yeah. in the world um but they um you know i i think they are uh, I mean, you see it even with with fenders and a lot of other manufacturers. The stuff coming from China, yeah, the new fenders, is, I mean, they're great. The yeah. import ones, yeah, man, yeah, they're almost all import now. Yeah, but anyhow, okay. That's well, my. Yeah, that's I want to see you play. You know, you know, you know, JD McPherson. Who? JD McPherson. No. He's a rockabiller player. Yeah. And he has a Christmas album out called. Well, I don't know what it's called, J.D. McPherson's Christmas album. But he has a song <laughs> on that album called Socks. It's really, it's a funny tune. Ah. Yeah, but he plays a Billy Bow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, so, a lot of, the, a lot of, the, lot yeah. of those guys do. Yeah. Hey, um, right I'm going to, uh, right before we, we uh, hear from Trey and Tyler, I, you mentioned the Christmas album. I want to recommend this. We actually gave a couple of these away uh, maybe about three, four years ago? No, oh, two years five years ago. ago. Two years ago. Two years ago? Yeah. Okay, say two years ago. Three years ago. All right. Anyways, there's a player in Chicago named Joel Patterson, Joel who is yo, yeah, yeah, yeah. phenomenal. I saw him in concert with J.D. Oh, McPherson. You it was right here me. in town. It was oh, at the name so last good. year. It was last year about this time. He is. They, did all, they both did their Christmas albums. He, he's, he might Amazing. arguably, well, he's definitely one of my favorite guitarists of all time. But his Christmas album is, it's, yes. I mean, it is on constant repeat at my house it's nice. so good it's 
Yeah. And it's all instrumental, cool guitar. Like he, uh, ha- his, he has a cool Beatles one, too. The Beatles one is fantastic as yeah. well, yeah. Anyways, highly recommend. You can listen to it on Joe anywhere you stream yeah. it, but you can also go get the vinyl. And if you're in Chicago, you can go see him. Is it the Green Mill? I think it's at the Green... He plays at the Green Mill every all the time. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I just want you, I want you guys to be happy and get experience. Todd is in the Christmas stuff. spirit. I love oh, Christmas. Oh, I love it. Oh, and you it. know what? Let's find out what Tyler and Trey are doing. Uh, Trey, why don't you go ahead and start out? What am I doing for Christmas? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's going on in your music world this week? Um, nothing really. Speaking of Christmas songs, though, I did actually. So I play drums uh, in a band in Nashville, and we actually just recorded a Christmas song. Oh wow! Yesterday. Um, other than that, though, I'm going to go to New Orleans, visit my family for Christmas. Um, but other than that, there's really nothing much going on. I mean, I'm, I have a lot of irons in the fire with like ideas and, um, I got a thing moving right now. Um, I finally got some enclosures in for an idea. I got to send it off to my Salt Lake city guy who does the face plates. Um, this little sticky face plates. They're so cool. We're, I can't wait yeah. to talk about those. I love them. Well, I think this is a good segue. Maybe we should ask Tyler what he's doing for Christmas, though. Yes. I'll be rocking the Brian Sets or Christmas album. Nice. <laughs> That's a good one, too. Right. Oh, may I, may I interject? Yeah. Um, I picked up a – are you familiar with John Fahey, um, acoustic guitar, American primitive guitar player? John Fahey. That sounds John really Fahey. familiar. I have a Christmas album by him, actually. I take it back. It's actually a Christmas cassette. I, I found it at the thrift store, and I was like, why not? Uh, it's Christmas. This was two years ago. And I, pu- <laughs> I popped it in, and it ended up being one of the – it's kind of how I discovered John Fahey in a way. Later did I know Kurt Vile is bigly, like big, big inspired by John Fahey, and a lot of finger pickers are. And so I've been going down a John Fahey rabbit hole like really hardcore since I'm a finger picker hmm. myself. Really? Nice. That's cool. That's one to check out. I dig it. All right. Well, let's hear from Tyler. Yeah. So I have been that album as far as the last 10 Christmases go, because it's the one that I could get down with. Um, But yeah. So music wise, I I, I mostly just do studio work um, in a band setting probably about five years and I kind of miss it, but at the same time, it's kind of like the struggle of running a band like a business becomes a serious problem if the parts aren't all on the same page kind of deal. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I've been mostly working studio work lately, and the audio side of things has really kind of bled into the the video and visual side of work. So cool. it's kind of becoming one piece of media or medium for me to work in lately which is super exciting that's cool yeah i it's uh video and audio are a, are a beautiful magic uh, video killed the radio star you know okay thanks tony um billy <laughs> what's going on in my music world around this christmas season i just played in indianapolis at the melody inn oh yeah. nice world famous at melody inn um and we people will get a show out there with you guys at that, man. I know, I know. Well, yeah, we were with uh, a couple other bands, mm-hmm. you know, from the area. Um, it's a fascinating place. There's just tons of uh, nostalgic and oddball pieces and parts of rock and roll paraphernalia. Hmm. You know, there's a there's an Elvis lamp 
there's a you know kiss statues there's it's a wild <laughs> place busted up guitars that you know were busted on stage and they just nailed them to the wall when they were done <laughs> you know that kind of thing so it's a fun place and i was playing through my uh son serato head oh it's 50 watt bass head Oh, mm. uh, tube head uh, through my Mesa 212 cabinet. Mm. It's a vertical. Uh, how's that spelled? How's it's that spelled? Serato. Uh, S-O-R-A-D-O. Okay. Serato. I was curious because there's like um, in the DJ world, there's Serato, which is like the, I believe it's the tone that carries the album over the audio file. I forgot how it works. I used to work for a backline cool. company and set up a bunch of stuff, but it's called Serato, but it's S E R A T O. Hmm. Oh, okay. Okay. Basically on the, in the, in the DJ realm, I believe if you have a, uh, an LP, um, physically it, there's no audio on it. I think it just shoots a straight tone out, but you need the Serato interface to basically like convert that tone to actual music uh, that you have playing uh, digitally through your computer. Now we have a rabbit hole to explore. I that's interesting. That's, that's interesting. I could be totally wrong. I'm not being on the DJ gear. I just had to kind of set it up. Yeah, right. So anyway, people were ogling that uh, that old sun head. Yeah. And it's great because it gets like a nice low end. My, my rhythm guitar player plays through a Marshall and he's got the, you know, bright sparkly, you know, crispy crunchy mm-hmm. thing going on and i've yeah, got more of a you know down mid-range and lower yeah you get a pretty tone it's pretty fat thing you know on. it's yeah. pretty fat going on so anyway that nice. was that was my fun but um i do have something to ask the world who's listening right now right. is um two things about that mesa 212 vertical cabinet uh, it has celestians in it they're 30 watt Celestians, but they're, I've been told that they are somehow extra uh, wound or extra loud so that they can carry more watts than what a normal 30 watt Celestian does. Mm. Um, and I've also been told that um, I should mic the bottom speaker of the cabinet as opposed to the top speaker. My friend Hex in the Whiskey Daredevils it's, suggested that to get a more uh, more true to what my tone is on stage as opposed to being brighter and sparklier. And well, top. if those so, two are different, then yeah, maybe. It kind of, if they're the same. They're the same speaker. One's point, the vertical cabinet has one angled so that it points yeah. to your head while you're on stage, and the other one is pointing to the If they're the same your, exact the speaker, that really knees. shouldn't matter but I unless, think, unless there's but, two separate cavities one's ported and one's not well yeah no they're they're, they're both uh it's in to- entirely enclosed in the back okay. so anyway i was just huh. kind of curious if anybody had any thoughts on that so maybe, maybe Hex, on a later show you know yeah 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 see if there's actually any. you might want to give a give uh, warehouse guitar speakers a a holler they've been yeah. on the show twice yeah. and they are super helpful I, i've 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 been reluctant to like modify it to find out because i mean you know why fix what sounds great already sure. but yeah. but you know i'm always looking for that extra edge sure. you know should i switch it to a traditional 30 watt celestian uh you know the vintage or should i you know mic the bottom and make sure i do that every time i think you should mic them both Make them. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, okay. do one off-axis okay. and one yeah. like just straight up. 
Yeah. yeah. So anyway, do that. All right. Too. That's my that's my that's my musical that. word this world this week. What about you, Todd? Well, hang on. I think uh what? what is that Trey Wayne in there? I did see Macer released a Badlander in different variants now, which is pretty awesome. That's a killer amp. Hmm. The I did want to ask Todd something. Sorry. Sure, yeah. Warehouse speakers, is that what's uh is that what Stu Matt carries? I'm sure they do. Uh they're right. in Kentucky yeah. and uh they basically, I think they, for many of the more production model type amps that come with some sort of Celestian, they are definitely a step up. I replaced the ones in my Marshall Origin cab. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, all you have to do is open the back up and hold the two next to each other. And you're like, holy crap, this is a huge difference. And they're super duper affordable. They're modeled after most of the sounds that we're all chasing, and um, and everything's made right here. So it's, it's kind of a, a cool deal. And that also allows you to – so like in I have a 212 uh, uh, cabinet as well for my Origin 50 that I play on stage, and I put more of a creamy tone on the bo on uh, in one, and then I put a, a slightly brighter – like a little bit more of a, of a declared punch <gasps> – in uh, in one, so I can mic them both if, if I want. Hmm. Yeah, and it's a so nice split. It's a nice coming blend. out of where do you split it from? Out of, straight out of the guitar, or it's not out split. Of, out of it's their, oh. It's they're both in the same cabinet. So I'm, oh, I oh, have okay. got, I've got mixed tone coming oh, right out okay. of the cabinet gotcha. already. Cool. Like cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Uh, and they're great to work with. Um, and they've been on the show twice. So if you want to learn a whole lot about speakers, yes. go back into our catalog and 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 check them out. Um, for me this week. Uh, I had a delightful find. I've had my eyeball on this particular thing for quite some time, and I, it, you know, I look at Craigslist every single day, <laughs> multiple times a day. I mean, I'm kind of addicted to it. Yes, he is. And you know, you, when you're when you're scrolling, you're going, nope, 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 and then the thing, and you're like, and you like, <laughs> you back up as fast as you can. Did I just see what I think I just saw? And I did, and I made a I, I made an offer, and the guy accepted, and I ended up with a an absolute pristine Jack Cassidy bass. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an Epiphone. It's piano black. And I'm going to put a gold picker on it because that's what I do. And mm -hmm. it came with the case. And I, I mean, they look like they just, like I just unboxed them. I mean, it, I, I wonder if it was ever even played. Honestly, I, I don't even. And it came in a real nice hard shell case too. It was, yeah, the case was beautiful. The case, I mean, and I got a, I got a sweetheart deal on it and uh, I was just thrilled. I, I'm not a bass player, but I do like playing bass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this would be a great addition to my sort of my collection that, that I'm mm -hmm. growing that are, that are all black with uh, gold glitter guards. Your noir collection. My noir collection for the village. So let me ask you this. Um, <laughs> yeah. Have you had a chance to play around with that pickup that's in there? I have. I like it a lot. You like it? I okay. do. Now, I think depending on what amp you're using, that's really when you're going to need that. Um, the, the, uh, the, it's got it's a variable, like a veritone kind of switch, but isn't it, it's, it's the output or the pickup impedance, isn't it? Or is it, or is it a true veritone? You know, I gotta be honest. 
I, you're going to have to, I haven't done the massive uh, homework on that switch. I just know that it gives you different tone. It Consider that your assignment. I will. I would like a full report on the next episode. Uh, it gives it gives you one that's like <laughs> a little bit more mid heavy. And then the next one is mid and bass heavy. Okay. Um, but because the, it's the a low impedance pickup. Is like, that's the, that's the money there. Like you roll off the tone just a little bit and all of a sudden, oh man, it's, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. And I was like, well, I don't have a bass head. And what am I going to do? I just go direct. I, I, I just plug it into the HX stomp and put my headphones in and I'm playing bass all night. And with like a whole bunch of different, I, like, I spent two hours last night just kicking to the next one and go, oh, this sounds amazing. And, and, and uh, it was great cool. fun. So there you go. Giddy up. Shout out Craigslist. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, anyways, holy mackerel. Are, are we having fun or what? Well, that was I a great so. episode. We'll see you guys I next know. time. <laughs> um, right. Listen, we talk to you guys about tour gear, patch cables uh, every week, and that's because we absolutely we believe love them. they're a great product. We, wouldn't, we don't rep anything that isn't a great product. I mean, just plain and simple. And yeah. uh, they have consistently delivered excellence, and we really appreciate their support uh, for this portion of our show that's coming up next. But, but you know... Oh, here he goes. He got his win back. I got the win back. All right. The, uh, the morphine has kicked in. Yeah. Um, if you uh, go and place a, 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 an order... You can maybe just buy one, but you're not going to buy just one. You're going to buy a bunch of them because they're very affordable. Super affordable. They're very reliable. Super reliable. And they're very flat. I do not worry about them on stage. On gigging and stuff, I used to, I mean, patch cables were such a pain in the butt before. And also fitting them if you're going, if like, you know, a lot of boutique pedals, drilling can be off sometimes. So you may have this pedal that you love, but guess what? Those two jacks are going to squeeze the crap out of your 9-volt plug right there. Mm. If you got pancake cables and you're going to be like, well, now what do I do? This solves that problem big yeah. time. But yeah. you know what's even better than very affordable? It, like if you go off. there, an extra... An extra 10% Billy, off. go Billy. ahead. What is it? An extra 10% off if you say... The guitar knobs. The guitar knobs. Just in enter the, the guitar code. knobs in the coupon code. Yeah. That's amazing. The guitar knobs. That's amazing. You're going to buy a million of them. Well, Bingo. Or and they get to you to fast. They're a company that's faster based in DH Canada. Gate. Definitely faster than <laughs> DHgate. But uh, I was shocked when I placed my orders. Yeah. I mean, within da- within days, they Poof. were sitting on my doorstep. On so. the doorstep. So anyways. Do it. Thank you so much, Tour Gear Designs, for sponsoring our Floor on the Floor. Let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor. All right. Trey and Tyler. Uh, first, we're going to start with Trey from Retroactive Pedals. What is your four on the floor? Okay, so I'm going to go based on what pedals I haven't sold or traded yet. I feel like that's a good because <laughs> um, I buy pedals. A lot of pedals, and I trade a lot of pedals. I love trading pedals, it's, honestly. It's so much fun. It's great. It's a great way to try stuff. It's a great way to you know build community with other people who also enjoy pedals. It's really nice. Um, so anyway, I do that constantly. So the pedals, and the thing is, before you even invited me on the podcast, I listened to your show, and I was always said to myself, like, what 
what would my choice be? Ah. And I always, you know, and I always would pick like the coolest pedal or like what pedal defines me as a person or whatever. Um, but anyway, my choices are based on what I've had the longest and what I haven't sold. So those two or those four would be um, Line 6 M5 multi effects um, given to me by Dave Rosser. Um, also, just the standard version one of the OCD. Well, well um, hang on, hang on, slow down there, buddy boy. What? Okay. Why? Why the? Why the multi effects? What? What's up with that? So, it's just like for the modulation, mm-hmm. um, you have you really have a lot of choices, and the the wet sound to clean sound is actually not terrible. Um, it's easy to use. It's easy to program. But the sounds are endless. And, I mean, I kind of got that thing sort of around my intro to, like, really getting into pedals. Okay. So before I really knew what I wanted, um, it it provided a lot of experimentation for me. Um, and it has a little sentimental value a little bit because um, it was given to me by Dave Rosser, who, for very quick backstory, I used to tour professionally as a backline tech and um, – Dave was in the Afghan wigs and I'd worked with them for a long time and he had passed away, unfortunately. And he had given that to me as well as the OCD that's next in line. Mm. And so I've had the pedals for quite a while, but the M5 just, it, it really has a lot of stuff. I mean, for, for the modulation and the delay, you really can't ask for much else. And I personally never really got into the DL4 thing you know like the dl4 is a lot that's like a lot of people's intro to delay or whatever or modulation um i never owned one never even played one can you believe it i haven't either i mean i haven't either you're cutting into my list man come on (laughs) (laughs) i even thought about buying the new one that came out to you and i was like you know what i'm just like uh i've never played one i'm just gonna keep on not playing one and it's it sounds cool. All the demos sounded great. I'm just like, I'm very picky with delay. You know, I'm not like a U2 kind of delay guy where I don't really run multiple del- delays into each other and kind of right. play off of the dotted eighth versus the dotted quarter or whatever. I'm kind of a slapback, kind of very subdued kind of delay, more psychedelic sounding. Yeah. I'm with all, I'm all about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of my delay use. So I don't have much for the fancy delays really. Cool, cool. Well, that, you hit that on the nail on the nail on the head there with the uh, M5, Has, and it's cheap. It's cheap. That's the thing. It's actually yeah, used. It's like a hundred bucks. Brand new. You can get it for one fifty. I mean, you can't. Yeah. I mean, for the for what you get in the price, it's really unbeatable. Bada bing, bada boom. So, how about this OCD? OCD. I mean, um, that was my first overdrive I ever owned. Um, overdrive is probably my most used effect. I mean, I always need one. Um, whether it's subtle or extreme, it's usually more subtle for the nice, like just slight breakup. Um, again, it's just like I ne- I used to, when I first started playing guitar, I always kind of had just reverbs and I was just needed ambience. And then once I kind of discovered what grit can do for you without, you know, obviously natural breakup out of the tube amp is nice. But a lot of the times I don't have the, you know, I'm in my house or whatever. I can't really crank it up. So that overdrive just added that one thing for me that I couldn't I couldn't get get out of my head really you know I recorded this song and this guy was like um 
Rick Nelson, who's the engineer also in the Afghan wigs. He was like, Hey man, we need this. Uh, we need a little bit of fuzz on this uh, chorus part. And I was like, okay. And I was like, man, this really made it sound like this is exactly what it needed, you know? Yeah. So I never turned back, but the OCD for me is like, the problem I have with overdrives is I really dislike when you turn the gain up, it increases the volume so much that you have to turn the volume down. Yeah. And then the when you turn the gain all the way, when you turn the gain down, you have to do a bunch of volume makeup. And the yeah. OCD for me kind of like, it it doesn't do that so much. And the thing that I also like about it is that when you turn the gain down, it's almost non-existent. There's a lot of overdrives where when you turn the gain all the way down, it's still a little too gainy. You know, mm -hmm. so it always just had that perfect balance for me personally. Yeah. Um, you know, that's and that and the high pass, low pass switch is like really great. I just also bought the um germanium version, so now oh. I have like the regular V1 in the front that had the germanium version all the way in, in at the back, and it's like a really nice mix, dude. That V1, the, the price skyrocketed on those things. I honestly haven't caught up with it because there's been so many versions since then. Um, but I remember when Dave gave it to me, another guy in the band, his name is John Skibbick. He's a big, like he, he used to be an electroharmonics demo artist, actually. Um, he has a bunch of videos on their website and he was in the band guitar player, super huge pedal guy. Um, and he was like, dude, open the back and like, look at this thing or whatever. Uh -huh. And so I opened it up and it, it was like the, whatever the good one, quote unquote, good version was. What, and back then, I think it ended up being just like the very first one, which apparently had a different clipping setup, I think. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I mean, ever since they basically said we're going to not make pedals anymore, the version one, like, quintupled in price. Uh, you used to be able to get those, like, you know, less than 100 bucks on Craigslist. And mm -hmm. that V1 right now is... 500 to a thousand dollars no way yep wow i mean my my high pass low pass switch is actually broken um and i just soldered it to where it's always in the uh, i think it's in the high pass section i don't remember i mean you can technically still flip it but i could replace the switch too no big deal yeah. but i mean it's currently that's an heirloom for you i mean yeah exactly I, I would never sell just because yeah it was given to me by dave um worth ten thousand dollars <laughs> yeah i don't know i mean one million dollars i'm not i don't know if i'm that virtuous <laughs> <laughs> sorry dave he would understand yeah he would He'd be like dude sell the thing what are you crazy yeah. <laughs> cool he what's number three that. uh number three is probably the tc electronic flashback mm, uh the version the ver the first one the regular one i know they made a mini and then they made the deluxe i'm talking about the regular the four knob nope. yeah yeah um you know again probably one of my first pedals uh it was actually the one two it was the third pedal i ever bought with my own money huh um again so many delay options uh but not too, got, many. Not too but many not too many not too many um and it's and in I a familiar kinda, format yeah and and i personally stumbled across so that was also my four like my first intro into pedals that are compatible with like computer software mm. um so they have the tone print thing and right. i plugged it up and you know i'm not crazy about that type of stuff i'm kind of more of like a a quick set draw kind of guy and i'm like okay that's good um the artist 
and there was like a, a bunch of artist presets basically. Yeah. Yeah. And the artist that I thought was the coolest at the time was, uh, the Mars Volta guy. I can't remember his name. Rodriguez or Rodrigo or whatever. Mm -hmm. The skinny, crazy looking one. Right. Right. Who plays the Ibanez guitars. Shout um, out. he, he had a setting <laughs> and, uh, I just picked his. And then the sick thing about that is that if you actually turn the delay time and the, speed or all the way down or i'm sorry the feedback and the delay time all the way down um it's just like the craziest chorus oh, and really? uh, i've never i've never changed the setting since so oh, now cool. that pedal for me is like a delay and then if all i gotta do is just flip it to the tone print setting it's like a really wild chorus which is really cool very nice number four number four is probably just um a compressor in general. I don't have, like I've owned a bunch of them over time. Um, the best one I've ever owned, I'll probably say it was the Fairfield accountant. Uh, uh, I would I love got, to get them on. Yeah. I, I've, I've sent, I've tried a couple times. I need to try really? again. Try again. Um, yeah, I traded that one because I, at the time I was like, you know, a compressor is a compressor, right? Like you kind of just squash. Oh, or, oh or, the, the, you just had a whole bunch of people like, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. I realized shortly after that that's not the case. You know, like a really good compressor pedal good definitely is different. For yeah, it's, it's definitely different than a lot of other ones. You know, yeah. Um, and I kind of want to get that one back. I would love to. I, I I think I fall in the camp where a lot of people are like, that looks really interesting. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing over there with that. <laughs> And we've, we've actually had 101s on compressing, uh, compression. And uh, we talked to Keeley about compression for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and it's one of those things that's like, I, I don't know. It's like a really nice tuxedo that would just hang in my closet. I just yeah. like, I, I don't know what I'm going to use you for. Right. For me personally, since I do a lot of finger picking, it's really nice to have even dynamics across because you know my, my, yes. my thumb is kind of hammering on the e and the a like you know in a very rhythmic pattern right and then i'm kind of filling in with hammer-ons and whatnot on the all the other strings and so it's really nice to kind of level out that um you know kind of abrupt hammer-on that i might have you know hit a little too hard or it, it brings up in volume the kind of if i'm playing with my thumb a little too quiet and not hammering on or you know the compressor works great for finger picking to level out your dynamics. Yeah. Same thing for like tapping too. That yeah, I can make sh and you know, and then I also use the compressor for. Um, it's really great to put like after fuzz because you can you can squash the volume, but like you get a great sustain. Mm, yeah, uh, like you can really crank okay. the sustain. Um, same thing with that crazy e um, the EHX Mel Nine pedal. Yeah, um, you have sustain on the pedal itself and there's like a knob for sustain but also if you use the sustain from the compression um and so i, I prefer compressors that actually have a sustain knob whatever you want to call it um currently i have one of the way huge mark ii saffron squeeze they have a sustain knob on it um you can really do some cool stuff with the sustain uh, even if you don't use the compression setting just use the sustain knob it, it Especially with the volume pedal and stuff like that, or or volume swell on your computer or your um your actual guitar. If you mix it with the right pedal and the right instrument, you can do some cool stuff with a compressor. Well, I'm gonna have to look into that. 
See if I got it. I I just gotta maybe try to get the thing is though, uh, Billy. You know the stuff I I play. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I kind of depend on dynamic. You're shaking your head, kind of. Yeah. Do you strum a lot? Do you like play like punk or like do you strum? Do you like heavy strumming? Yeah, I mean, like think think like X Damned, Queens of the Stone Age, yeah, uh, that kind of stuff. Or, no, yeah. I don't think I so. I think either. when you strum hard, like what it would do, I think it would duck the attack initially and then you might level out but yeah i don't think yeah. uh, compressors are for Not like for heavy me. music yeah uh yeah so, you're right well I, I would agree with that yeah 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 i yeah. concur and a good compressor r- really makes a significant good difference sure but yeah, I mean, I can but see a bad using one a just kind of just like, kind of gets in know. the way, and you yeah. know, if it's not great, and then it's not on my pedal board. Yeah, you know? yeah, I hear you. Personally, my rule of thumb is if I'm strumming, don't really use compression. If I'm finger picking, yes. If I'm playing leads, yes. Mm-hmm. Kind of like rule Dave of kind of kind of vibe. Yep. Words of advice for everyone. Yeah. All right, let's hear from Tyler. All right, so numero uno, we got. The Digitech Whammy. I'm one of those guys. Uh, what version? Uh, I believe the v- version one. Uh, oh, not specifically old school. Like yeah, anything. Yeah, th- I've been having this thing for a long time, and it's held up. The only pain to it is that it's that individual power supply. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So that's always been a nuisance on the board. Um, I just really enjoy being able to play with the different harmonic series and using that to not only like help write parts, but almost give a different approach to how I'm with it in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whammy's really got some interesting uh, use cases outside of it's just what you normally would use it for. Um, so like just running through all the different settings really quickly and recording something like that would allow you to get some really cool samples out of it. And it's all has that base um, note to it that allows you to use it in that key. And I've played around with sampling, just doing stuff with that as the effect itself. So a lot of my choices are not really based on the use case for (laughs) the pedals themselves. That's fair. Yeah, like the the whammy has really kind of introduced me to that approach, and I am one of those DL four nerds that will <laughs> speak volumes to that pedal, and I love its application. So DL four is my second choice. Um, being able to take a sample and use it in the context of the song, very minus the bear esque. Mm-hmm. Super inspired by that. Um, And I was the first delay pedal that I was able to understand the ongoing feedback oscillation Mm. and using that in a practical way, not just to like end your set and get off stage. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Yeah. So the the deal for me was the intro to only playing the pedal but playing with the pedal and i think that's why a lot of people are hardcore dl4 fans it's probably the same reason why 
Um, so number three, it would have to be the Crybaby classic wah. I, when I was gigging live, I used probably the wah an obnoxious amount <laughs> <laughs> and relied on that being a dynamic change in the notes that I was playing. And then sometimes I'd have to tap dance with the whammy. <laughs> with the wad at the same time i'm sure it's very entertaining to watch but not fun <laughs> to do. so yeah the, the was definitely on there All and right. this last one that was four right or that was three. three that was three okay this last one here is the radial direct drive the amp simulator direct box uh-huh and again not intended use but I use it as a reamp. So basically the complete opposite of what it's supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it works beautifully this way. All so right. anyone who has that then wants to reamp stuff with their direct drive, you can. I've asked them personally. It's okay. <laughs> wow. It does it does color up the signal a little bit, but for anyone who's get trying to get into that, I highly suggest doing that, especially if you have one already. You don't have to go buy a reamp specifically. You could use something like this. So, um, so give so, me a case scenario on on uh, I, I don't reamping is not a f- phrase that gets thrown around a lot, um, at least okay. on, the, on the show. But um, sure. yeah, why don't you give us an example of why that would be useful? So specifically for retroactive, I was doing pedal demos and we were uploading these to our reels on a weekly basis. And I had to have had to have a way in order to manipulate the pedal after the song was recorded. So not be able like not play the th- the song or the track and go in and tweak the pedals. So I would record those parts and feed it into the direct drive. And what that allowed me to do is bounce that back out into my DAW and use our pedal in real time and tweak the settings. So that's how I got a lot of our demos, like our uh, playthroughs done. That that specific way. And being able to reamp in general, just in a studio setting is an amazing feature because you could have your DI signal recorded in your DAW and actually convert that audio signal back over to it, it being one level with a guitar signal and plug that into a real amplifier and try out different amps to get different tones and record that in real time with no loss in audio or any kind of coloration with an actual reamp box. Um, so in a studio setting, it's very valuable because you could just record that DI one time and you have a plethora of options after that's even recorded. You don't have to actually do it again. So reamping in general is awesome. That was a very thorough explanation. I appreciate that. <laughs> you got it, man. But yeah, I would say those are the four, and they're all far very different use cases than what they're supposed to be for. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a boogie board sized pedal board to fit all those big old bastards. <laughs> right. I even have an M9. So, like, oh, I'm just, there you yeah, go. Gargantuan guy, like one of those uh, self powering pedal boards from back in the game. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I forgot about those. Right. Um, I used to have one and then streamlined it down, but like I said, now <laughs> studio work, so it's just everywhere instead of just a board. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, dudes, thank you for sharing uh, all of those fantastic pedals. We've had a couple of those on there before that get mentioned. Uh, believe it or not, that whammy gets mentioned a lot. Um, and uh, we stopped awesome. kind of keeping so cool. track. I think about two, maybe three years ago, I, 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 we did a summation of, I think oh, it was yeah. like 300... Yeah, like 350 pedals that had been mentioned. Oh, and that's we had 100 already, episodes ago. We probably could write a could have written a could write a book on all this stuff. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, then they came out with all these pedal books, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Stupid books, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's find out about retroactive pedals and what uh, what makes you guys tick, what you have to offer, why they're different, why you love doing it, all the things. Um, first of all, is there any specific notion behind the name? So when I came up with the name, this would have been probably 2016 or 17. Um, I had first wanted to make kind of vintage Russian pedals, um, and, and basically put on like retro pedals, like, you know, visually and sonically. But I realized very, very, very quickly that sourcing like new old stock parts is just a pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I switched. I was like, okay, I'm not going to obviously do that. And then I just started kind of tinkering around or whatever. And then I kind of thought retroactive is more of like, I've explained this on the 40 Watt podcast recently. And I probably won't be able to say it as like I won't be able to articulate it like I did on there, but it's like basically we made a mood board. I made a mood board and I sent it to Tyler for the artwork. And I was like, look, we need to kind of capture this like idea of the future from the past, if that makes sense. Like, you know how Blade Runner and all these like very famous 80s movies came out that they made them so long ago. So the technology was like kind of not that great, but they projected their idea so far ahead in the future yeah and so when you look back on that stuff now it's like kind of hilarious that you have you know stuff from the 80s trying to like recreate like the future of 2000 years in the future kind of thing so we kind of try to take that idea i guess it's like future like past futurism i don't know if that's even making sense but retro futurism yeah retro futurism so I looked it up. <laughs> that's kind of yeah. That's kind of like the approach that we take now. At least with the graphic design and the artwork, you know. Um, when I first started doing this, I did it all by myself. So if you look at some of my older units that are floating around Reverb or something, they look very simple, like not very fun. It was just like I I'm not a graphic designer. Um, so whenever Tyler got involved with like the art direction and s- stuff like that, we really took that futurism and also the storyline aspect of it to the next level really where we give each character on the pedal a storyline you know we wrote a bunch of backstory for these characters in hopes that one day we have enough resources to kind of do um a zine or something like that and tyler had this really great concept of a podcast that is super unique to podcasts what we see in the modern day and i mean tyler you you can kind of explain your your podcast concept how it ties into the story of, and the characters that we have. Um, this would take, this would be a massive undertaking 
for both of us because we'd have to turn into like screenwriters, which I'm not that great. I, I think it's great fun, but I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a screenwriter. But Tyler has a cool idea for a podcast that is super unique, and I'll let him kind of go on with that. Yeah, man. Uh, Trey hooked me up with a really awesome canvas to paint on, in other words. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of these creative types that like if I have something to work off of, it's not as polarizing as the the open void, I'm sure most people could understand. Um, so retroactive in itself was a really cool place to find some roots and go from there. Um, the retro futurism thing is really kind of taken over where most of the things that I'm trying to do, like our photo shoots, um, using vintage technology to showcase the pedals in a way that's very sci-fi, but looks like it's old. And that's really our main shtick. Um, in fact, so that I have a giant CRT TV right next to me that I use as backdrops for our photo shoots. And I take graphics and project it onto the TV in order to see if the way the pixels blur together, if it reminds me of those old school games that, uh, that sure. used to come. And I really kind of took that concept and ran with it. The whole idea behind each one of the pedals having their own specific characters was pretty natural after we actually came up with the artwork itself. Um, when we were designing the artwork, it was more or less of understanding the concept and just rolling with it. And each one of them features a different character. So they all kind of have their part in this larger overarching story to retroactive. And it's beyond what is even me and Trey's concept. Like there, we've got it to a point now where we could understand it's much larger than the actual effect unit. And the characters on the pedals are inspiring this story, which is a very easy to story to get lost in. <laughs> um, I'm not too sure how much we can actually say yet, but what we can say is that it is scripted and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's retro futurism. So it's a story that takes place in the late forties about sci-fi in 200 years from then. So let me interject a little bit on, so Tyler had this idea. So Tyler has a podcast of his own called Dink Swamp Rebellion, similar to this one where you just chat about relevant topics of the interests of the group. Um, but the retroactive podcast wouldn't be us sitting around here as ourselves talking about gear. It's about like Ty and we'd have to play voiceover characters, which is all, again, very out of my realm. That of, sounds so much fun, but it's, it's wild. Yeah. Like, but the, yeah, the, Hey, the story, I, I'm, I'm volunteer as a guest. Uh, well, dude, as a guest voice. Can, and I will too. Oh, no, Tony. Well, actually you, Tony, you would have a great voice for this because basically the, the point <laughs> of the story is, uh, uh, like Tyler said, it's it's about a, a radio broadcaster from the 1940s, 1950s who is losing his job to as television kind of starts to come out. You know, he and he's a sci-fi storyteller, so all these kids like gather around the um, 
the the radio at their homes to listen to the retroactive radio show and it's this guy who's like a staple 1950s kind of you know talks like this very like stoic voice and he tells all these sci-fi stories very but a stoic voice about yeah. a very serious subject exactly and now that tv is kind of taken over this guy's like losing his job um and he kind of gets phased out by the network and um we kind of figured a way to kind of wrap it up to where he gets kind of sucked into his own reality and he enters this futuristic state that like he somehow becomes the story that he talks about and like all of our characters are the story that he tells to the kids every day over the radio or once a week or whatever but somehow he gets kind of lost and he becomes part of it it's a very fun sandbox that's awesome i like it and this allows us to let the petals that we're developing inspire the story and the story develop the petals and the artwork. So it all kind of like is connected in a way that we really didn't see before right. we started, you know, coming up with the concept. So and the characters th- have their own already have their own sort of theme sound. Yeah, exactly. So whenever putting together a pilot for this, um, I've used theme songs for each one of these characters showcasing that effect and voiced different characters. And of course, I could only make my voice personally sound a certain way. Um, But just to give you an idea, this is the retroactive radio show. Perf. Now you just need to put a strap a bucket to your head. So it has that can. Oh yeah. So 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 a big part of the, or a like a KFC of bucket or something. <laughs> the, Already been done. This, this show is absolutely split into separate parts where it's internal monologue that sounds like modern radio, and then it also cuts to what it would sound like when he's telling that story if it were in a tin can from the piece. That's cool. It's a really easy way to understand which yeah. part of the timeline are we in. I love and, it. You know. It's it's and for those who um, are wondering, kind of visually, what what this is looking like. I mean, the super vibrant. Think like, you know, it's like uh, ink on foil. Super vibrant kind of things colors imagine that and we're just looking at the pedal right now and but i'm also looking at your website which is extremely vibrant but not in a perfectly digitally now kind of way it's very cool it took us a very long time to come up with how we would present the artwork and ultimately landing on what we have on these now with the hollow foil underneath it yeah. and the super vibrant cover colors, but it has this kind of like old comic book print style to it. But mm-hmm. yeah, but it's not, but it's not too old. It's like you, you have sort of created a retro, a sort of a, a, a not a non-specific retro time, which is actually really cool. And, difficult to do i have i come from a design background and those things are so easily identifiable and recognizable um because just we we know history and we know what things look like so to be able to kind of bring those all together 
in a way that isn't like, oh, that's 19, you know, late post-war. That's post-war. Oh, that's, this is uh, pre-space age. This is mid-space age. This is late, late, uh, you know, pre-70s. And it, mm-hmm. those things are visually instantly identifiable. And I really love that you're, try, you're dipping into so many inkwells to, to pull these things together and, and make it uh, unique. Absolutely. I, I really appreciate that. You know, like me and Trey really put the time to figure out how to get that point across that was super important to us and give respect to the actual effect that Trey built as well. So like, I mean, we're purely talking about aesthetics at this point, but the circuitry behind it is super awesome. Like what Trey's put together over the years of putting this. And it sounds like the thing you're looking at though. That's the kind of the cool part. Uh, I love that you said that. Awesome. Yeah, that really is the whole main point of it <laughs> is, um, you know, like I said earlier with the like retro futurism kind of old new kind of thing. It's like, you know, my, my effects definitely aren't pristine. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of degradation involved and, you know, people like to throw the word lo-fi around and because that's kind of like a buzzword in some respects in the industry. And like, you know, I kind of just let the pedal speak for itself. You know, I don't really try to place it somewhere where it doesn't belong, but yeah, we, we definitely do try to build the story around the sound and then let the sound be affected by the story down the line mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know? Well, you know, you hit a word, I, I think if you tried to say you can either be modern, you can be vintage or you can be lo-fi lo-fi is such an all-encompassing thing there's not really a whole lot of middle ground in between those so maybe you're stumbling on on a new adjective hmm. it's interesting to think about adjectives hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure it's a it's definitely like it feels like a sandbox playing with this concept and it's really easy to spend a lot of time just hammering different details out and the same thing with it it mirrors what trey does on the design part where he'll be working on new concepts or new developments on things at the same time that i'm also working on that and i'm letting what happens to him inspire what happens in the story which drives certain characters to be a certain way and i think the the really awesome part about it for me personally is that all everything's connected. Mm-hmm. So it allows space to breathe between each concept of retroactive pedals mm-hmm. and the sci-fi retro futurism is just a really awesome place to be. Right. You got to think too, like if someone was telling a story from the past about the future, you could just say things that are actually happening right now, just in a little bit weirder of a context and get away with it. Yeah. Dang it. And you know what? You make them collectible because now they're, they, they are, they are personified. Well, we actually kind of, you have the cards in your, um, in your box. If you know, if you remember opening it up, we did kind of create these like kind of rip off baseball card, collectors items kind of things where there's a QR code in the back. But um, yeah, we added those little cards because we wanted those to be some, somewhat of collector's items because obviously we'll be able to change the characters or, you know, a pedals might, a pedal might come out of um, rotation 
down the line. But it, those cards kind of do become a little bit of a collector's item as mm -hmm. far as collecting the artwork from Tyler, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, it, now, getting onto the uh, uh, audio, and then we'll um, we'll we'll push towards the uh, to the home base here. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything that is? We, we know the story about what's driving kind of like the thematic approach to these um, from an from an audio standpoint. Is there anything specifically that is um, inspiring the sounds that you're making? Well. Yes and no. You know what I mean? Like I I will say this, that um the PT two three nine nine chip is something that a lot of people are familiar with now, especially because um a lot of consumers are getting kind of a bird's eye view of a lot of pedal industry um tactics and whatnot now that like things like the JHS show, tons of podcasts, people are kind of like pulling the curtain back a little bit on the design process. So consumers are also doing their own research and they're aware of what goes into pedals and they're not just blindly buying stuff. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are very aware of what the PT2399 is. Um, and it's a delay chip, basically. I'll just keep it very vague and broad, but it's a de delay chip that I use in these pedals. And it's a lot of a lot of builders first intro to modulation. So, you know, if you're going to start to building pedals and you're, you don't have digital experience or, or you don't have any other experience, you're starting with fuzz or dirt. I mean, that's kind of generally where you mm -hmm. start. Um, and a lot of people stay there, but the PT chip is a lot of people's very first intro into stepping outside of dirt. Um, and, and that's where I started. I mean, that's where I went. And so my sound with these pedals what it, it it definitely still is inspired by the name and i always try to get it to tie in somewhere it had to start somewhere but also you know it's just based on my journey as a pedal builder you know i'm dirt builder i'm a dirt builder for the longest time and you're getting you're you're cutting your teeth on a lot of dirt pedals and then at some point you got to take the leap of faith and kind of start going to way bigger circuits and doing delays and yeah. doing modulation and you got to you know, and that's just, it's all part of the journey that I took as a builder, really. So it's, it's a story that it's, it's a story that I always tried to keep, uh, you know, a starting point somewhere to tie it all in together. But at the same time, it is just the evolution of me as a builder going into modulation and exploring with different chips and sounds. All right. Are you going to go back to dirt? So funny story. Um, for the longest time I was avoiding dirt because the market is saturated. Um, it is in general, but like, you know, like I said, a lot of people's first pedals are dirt. So any new companies, it's always generally an overdrive or a fuzz or something like that. And I was like, if I'm going to break into any sort of scene, any kind of way, I think I need to start with something a little more like eye catching or eye grabbing a little bit. So that's why I always like, you know, started with the PT stuff. Um, but I do have a fuzz in the works right now as we speak. Um, the circuit is done. It's tested. Um, I'm just waiting. Actually, I have a parts order coming in as we speak. Um, I just got to send it off to my sticker sticker guy to make sure that all the – because I'm doing a new layout on this one. The 125B uh, is too small for this design, so uh -huh. I, I had to bump it up to the 1590, um, 1590NS. Uh-huh. Um, so, yes, I'm going to try my hand at dirt. I don't necessarily know if it's going to sell. Who knows? But uh, 
Um, I'm going to put out a dirt pedal. I think it's really cool. Um, it has a great sound. Um, I just gave it to a friend in town, a prototype, and he recorded a, a whole couple songs with it. He said it was the greatest dirt pedal he's ever heard. Them's high praise. Yeah, you know, I mean, I take that stuff with a grain of salt. That's just cool. Because, That's you, great. You know, people, people are nice. But, you know, I'm just going to try it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And, you know, it is what it is. But it, it, it's a cool pedal, and I think um, – I'm hoping sometime next year we'll be able to release it. And um, dirt is just one of those weird things, man, where like I know a company that survives solely on one dirt pedal. Yeah. There's and, a couple of them like that. <laughs> yeah. And I am I trying to do that? Not necessarily, but I think a lot of people love fuzz and they love dirt, which I totally agree. And so I'm going to try. But you, but you don't. You need them all. That's the thing. There's yeah. not just one, man. You really do. So you really do. The like, more, the merrier. You really do. But you know, I I definitely, as a company, never wanted to just come right out the gate and just say, okay, I have ten pedals as like that's my line. Yeah. You know, I definitely wanted to strategically like feel the market, be like, okay, this pedal's doing great let me keep going with it let me introduce one new pedal here how did that do it didn't do that great just pull it down right away um in, introduce a third pedal you know like because my first pedal is not going anywhere if people still like it it's going to keep going and that will always let me afford to buy more materials for the next idea sure um so i'm not necessarily trying to come out and have a you know a, a, a pedal for every person and like i need a fuzz i need an overdrive i need a distortion i need a phaser i need a flange i need a delay i need a reverb i need a tremolo you know what i mean mm-hmm. i definitely want to take my time i definitely want to think about it because there's nothing worse than putting out a pedal that doesn't sell and then you got a backlog of a bunch of parts and a bunch of stuff taking up space and it's not selling i mean it, yeah uh, it happened with my phaser and the funny thing is like i thought that was one of the coolest circuits i've ever made it was like a phaser and an octave fuzz you can flip this. You can flip the circuits back and forth. It's super psychedelic. Um, Ryan at Demos in the Dark did a great demo for it. Um, it just didn't sell, and it was a pain in the butt to build. Um, and so now I have a bunch of them just sitting on the shelf, and like that honestly, like kind of sucks. But you just got to keep moving and keep designing other stuff, you know. And so I'm like, you know what? Everybody likes fuzz. I'm just gonna go for it, and we'll see what happens. So likely 2020. 20, early 2023 i'll have um a fuzz but i'll i'll actually say something very exclusive here on your podcast you've heard it first here folks um i will say without giving too much away the very first batch of these uh, we're going to do a run of 25 and they're going to be exclusive artwork Uh, we did something super cool for this one um just kind of coming right out the gate with like really cool graphics really cool little sticker a totally new approach to what our other stuff looks like and then once this batch is gone, we'll do if you know if people still want them, we'll do a, a batch that is more in line with our sci-fi stuff and kind of fits the scheme of retroactive. But the emblem, we're going to call this one the emblem exclusive, and it's going to be twenty-five, um, totally unique and totally rad-looking uh, fuzz pedals. That sounds awesome. Well, speaking of artwork, um, I know on the pedal that we have here in front of us and the ones that I've seen on your site, um, I kind of, I really like the artwork that's on there and it seems to be like, is it under like an epoxy kind of bubble or or what, what, what what is, what, what exactly is that? So this is, um, a company that I found out of, um, Salt Lake City. 
um, called Dome Tag, and they specialize in industrialized stickers like this for a bunch of companies. They sent me a sample pack with like Target and some other big companies. But what they call it is a substrate. Uh, that's the bottom layer. So mm-hmm. your substrate is what the holographic material is on that particular pedal. Um, they sent me a sample pack, and I, I've talked to this. Uh, their customer service is great. I've talked to them months and months and months. But their substrate material is basically they offer, like I think, four or five main materials. So you have the holographic substrate. You have a clear substrate. You have a holographic silver you have a brushed silver and I believe like something else. Um, or you can have like, I think a solid white. Mm-hmm. So th- that's just the base layer. So you, you always have one or the other. Um, and then on top of that is their proprietary. Um, I forgot the name of it. They call it some kind of crazy. Goo. Sci- <laughs> Clear <scientific> goo. <laughs> yeah. And then it's they have, epoxy thing. yeah, it's kind of like an epoxy deal. It's cool. But it, but it, it's, it, there's a, there's a, tact uh, like sort of a surprise tactile nature to it mm-hmm. i just i open it up so, oh man i love it feels this great to touch I, it I'm, does I, it feels incredible to touch and photographing um, them you get a new color angle mm-hmm. every time you shine yeah light in a different way that's got to be great and frustrating at the same time <laughs> it absolutely is yeah <laughs> well, well that's you know yeah, going forward, I was going to just say quickly that um, they I got a notification that their holographic material is kind of, I don't know if I'd be able to continue doing holographic. So it might be a short-lived thing. Mm. Um, we'll have to see because what they're doing is basically all the holographic excess material, they're kind of recombining. But what happens is they sent me a photo. There's like a streak. Like you can almost see where like the two pieces come together, if that makes oh, sense. It's kind yeah. of like a streak. And so I was like, they're That's like not, remnant matching it. Yeah, that yeah. might not work for me. Um, no bueno. So we might have to figure out something else. Um, These versions, uh, what we got left is what's. That's it. That so, might be. That might be it. You know. So, so um, go and get them while they're hot, everybody. Go get them while they're hot. And uh, working with this company was really great because they don't. They've never done something like this. So they were all freaking out. They thought this was the coolest thing since sliced bread or whatever. Um, because they generally make you know rectangles, circles, uh, whatever. They don't really do materials with holes in the center because obviously they had to accommodate for our the nut width and the washer width rather sure. and like holes for the led holes for the switches to pop through and it was a big challenge for them too but we you know and that's why i send them prototypes so i'm sending them a prototype here in a second for this fuzz but um yeah they they need to have the physical they need to have the physical thing in hand so they can sort of figure it out because they've never done something like this before yeah that's killer man it's it's super cool i hope that uh, a lot of people get their hands on these and, and get to see them in person and uh hold one play one do all the things with them i'm excited about what you guys have for the future and i, I definitely you guys have to uh hit us up as you progress along okay yeah i'm serious if we ever get around to doing the uh the retroactive radio show where we kind of try to get that podcast to make it sound like it's a real uh radio broadcast from the days of yore i'll yeah. definitely be in touch with, with oh. anybody who's interested and we even want to even get the um our customers involved somehow we we tried to think about doing some kind of with if you buy a pedal you'll scan the qr code and that will somehow enter you into the universe of some sort and you know there's <laughs> yeah. you guys gotta so, get on some nft yeah, with this stuff there's man. so many options man i think tyler might even investigate an nft yeah, the, the good news here is yeah. that I will need a ton of backing tracks to make this work. 
and I don't want to write them all. So yeah. please help me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we definitely have plans to integrate, um, you know, because the whole point of building pedals in, in a way is to like, com- is to build a community with somebody, you know, whether it's our clients or whether it's somebody like you guys who do shows or, you know, it's not all about money because obviously there's not that much money in pedal building. If you're on the level that we're on, it's more about the community and being a part of something yeah, that we are interested passion. in, in passion. Yeah. And absolutely. so when we create something like this and when we create the story and when, when we create this kind of idea, we want people to be involved. You know, that's why I got Tyler involved because I don't, it really wasn't fun doing this by myself. Like, yeah. I, I, it's it's better when somebody's there. So we want to get the people involved, you know, but just we don't have all the pieces to the puzzle just yet. And, you know, we encourage people to step forward and maybe suggest some stuff or be a part of it too. You know, that's how things get built when people put their minds together and, you know, share ideas. Yeah. Well, killer, 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 killer. Um, thank you guys for, for uh, sharing all thank that you. with us. No we are going to motor over real quickly we're gonna hop in the el camino yes you know after last week that, that exhaust leak in that 49 nash oh my goodness oh i had a headache for a week dreadful oh terrible terrible yes. stuff yes but today we've got the el camino yep we're loading it up with plenty of high test gas yeah we're gonna take a trip down to see our buddy jared down in nashville and orange monster drinks and also our buddy trey down in nashville now yeah so we have we can make a two-stopper so, uh, in this little segment that we like to call, hey, would you rather? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Would you rather? There we go. There's a an easy uh, one. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I like mine better. All right. So, this week's Would You Rather is brought to you by me. <laughs> Perfect. It's a foggy night, and you're walking down a dark, deserted street. As you pass by an alley, you see a buzzing, flashing neon sign that says, Secret Stash Guitars. You crack open the door and cautiously enter. Inside is a small collection of very unique instruments, all celebrity-owned and signed, and all but two have hold tags on them. The first is a newer Gretsch Billy Bo Jupiter that was owned, stage-played, and signed by Reverend Billy Gibbons. The other is a Gretsch Bo Diddley, you know, the rectangular-shaped one, that was owned, stage-played, and signed by the man Bo Diddley himself and uh, the Duchess. Oh. Yes, we love the Duchess. Surprisingly, both are priced the same, (laughs) and... Luck would have it. You have that amount in your wallet. No way. It's exactly that Down amount. Down to the penny. <laughs> Which guitar do you take home and why? All right. Okay. Uh, Tony, what, so so just uh, minor, I was so enthralled with the story. I know you were. Which one? There's two of them. Yeah. There's a newer Billy Bow. Newer Billy Bow. That's signed by Billy Gibbons. Yep. And then there's an older Bo Diddley model, the uh-huh. rectangular-shaped one, that's yep. signed by Bo Diddley and the Duchess. Okay, got it. Uh, does does uh, color or paint scheme factor into this at all? They're both red. They're both red. Okay, classic. So, all right, Tony, what are you doing? Well, seeing as I, 
I have a perfectly good huh? chili bow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to go. I, I would have do this otherwise. This this either way. I, I'm going I with the bow diddlies. Yes, something like okay. that. Uh, the I'll take the rectangular bow diddly because it is signed and played by bow diddly and the Duchess. There you go. Okay, the, that's what I want. That's Perfect. why I'm getting that one. Perfect, uh, Tyler. So I'm gonna have to do the bow diddly only because. It would be easy to modify and be left-handed. Yes. Oh, <laughs> that's good true. thinking. That's that's smart thinking. Good thinking. The All pain right. of having to find left-handed stuff out in the wild is mm. it, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's like the unicorn that you're explaining now. It is it is hey, um well there's a couple things we'll talk after the show. Um, okay. All right, Trey. Okay, I'm going to be a little complicated and say so they both have the same pickups, right? Yeah, the filter gold foil, yeah. filter charm. Yeah, yep. okay. Yep. So, based on aesthetics, I would pick the Billy Bow obviously, but based on who it's signed by, I would pick the Bow Diddley. So, if I if it came down to the the wire, I would do the Bow Diddley because of who it's signed by. Mhm. But the Billy Bow looks incredible. Yeah. It's a tough call. It's a tough call. So you're going rectangle. I'm going rectangle as well. I also, think we've got um, three rectangles so far. Mm. Yeah, I'm. Uh, are you familiar with uh, God? What's his name? Carbonetti Guitars. He's a, a kind of rare builder out of uh, New York City. He's in a band called Caveman. Uh, he built. Um, he built. I think his name is uh, Matt Sweeney. Do you know Matt Sweeney? Oh. oh yeah, yeah. He built Matt Sweeney a custom. Bo Diddley style square guitar. Uh, that's a gold top kind of deal with a his signature headstock. It looks incredible. Uh, I, I'd play that one. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going up. to check that out. Look it up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Look up. It's um, sort of like a. Oh, can you see it? it? Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm seeing. I'm seeing one. Oh, Billy. There's probably there's probably, probably literally one this. of one. There's probably one of one because he's a very. Um, uh, he doesn't build things. Very in, interesting yeah. headstocks, and yeah. very interesting guitars all together. Wow, there's some real. Yeah, these are all like very unique guitars. Yeah, cool. I warned. Yeah, he's randomly building. Um, he's also weirdly partnering with somebody and building golf clubs. <laughs> okay. Well, that wow. kind of makes sense. Looking at the crispy design, really does. Look at look at. I don't know. If you go down the rabbit hole, of that guy, look up. He, you'll find his golf clubs. All right, will do. All right, Billy, what are you doing? Hmm. Billy Bo. I'm going Billy Bo because my name's Billy. There you go. Is your middle name Bo? Simple as that. Tony, these we got to level. We got to get you a master class on the on the uh, the sweet the sweet add on Hmm. there. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. No, Tony's very hmm. funny usually. You're gonna usually, make me yeah. cry. Usually. <laughs> Anyways, I'm okay. laughing on the Billy outside, but crying on the inside. <laughs> um, you know, I'm gonna. Let's just. I gotta go. Time. I gotta go with the original one. I gotta go rectangle on that one too. Yeah. 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 But I gotta go to put a. Go, uh, oh. No, I can't put a gold squad. card. Yeah. Let's go. We did yeah. four, right? So I think that'd be cool. I mean, there's something so like. I mean, for lack of better terms, like the rudimentary nature, it is a rectangle, and there's something brutish about that, which mm. is kind of cool. 
Yeah. B-R-U-T, not B-R-O-D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, well, that was delightful, Tony. Thank you so much. Uh, we need to thank a few people, and then we need to let our friends oh, yes. and those listeners who are, are still with us uh, go. You are correct, Todd, because at this part of the show, there's a very special group of people that we love to thank. These are our executive producers. Now, you might be asking yourself, what is this executive producer that you're speaking of? Well, an executive producer makes this show possible. Uh, there are a couple levels in which you can participate. But first, head over to patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs and check these things out. Yeah. Is that where you get your, your name on the thing? Well, in addition to all the great thank you gifts, there's one more thing. And Billy, what is that? Your name on the thing? You get yeah. you get to have your name, name on the read th- on, on the, the thing. thing. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I, I knew there was you're, that. You're with it. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Perfect. I'm going to read these names, and I would like to offer a sincere thanks. This is the thing. Thanks. This is this the is, thing. This, this is, is the thing. thing. What Here's we're doing name. is the okay. thing. Yeah. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars, Vader in Pedals, John Halverson, Rick Calhoun, Trevor Gunberg, Elad Mizrahi, Mike D, Richard Kendall, Mark Garton, Matt Hart, James White, Justin Jones, Anthony Gemolero, Bill Gola Guitars, John Esterley, Anthony Lathrop, Stefan Lamb, Michael Senchuk, Ken Sayers, Doug Christ, Darren Gregory, Tom Brazen, Rusty Sneeden, Ralph Gottschalk, Don Kloss, Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, Stuart George, Michael Furman, Andrew DeHaan, and there's a new Andrew in town. Oh. That bloke, Andrew Bell. Yeah. Welcome aboard, Andrew. Thank you, gentlemen, that we referenced on the uh, the last episode. Yes, indeedy. But wait, Todd, there's more. I knew there would be. Because we have a special, special, special group of executive producers. We call them our Grand Poobas. These fine folks have a fez to wear upon their head whilst listening to the podcast. And at the same time. And at the same time. So special, special, special thanks to these grand poobas. Tommy Manasco, Ricardo Higareda, David Kaminga, Brandon Wound Pickups, Hex Matos, Michio Murakishi, Bob Crouch, Jack Adian, Sam Jett, Tyler Rines. LSJ Music Company, John Williams, James Pennington, Adam Johnson, Steve Keys, Cody Foster, Science of Sound, Brian Robinson, Jonathan Jerusik, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S., Eddie Serratos, Billy Poe, no, not Billy Poe, David Poe. Yes. It's Billy. It's close Billy's, to Billy Bo. It's close to Billy. Yeah, exactly. I think he will change his name. Billy Spitfire. There's hey. where the Billy came from. And Congregation Gear Demos. Perfect. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you all so, so very much. You keep this going and you keep us uh, being able to reach out to guests like we just talked to tonight and bring them to our audience. Uh, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. We really enjoyed having you. 
Um, where can people go and get these awesome pedals that you've been talking about? www.retroactivepedals.com slash shop. Um, and we also have a dealer list too. Um, we really like for you to support our dealers. We have a small dealer group, but um, you know, by supporting them, you're supporting us as well. So you can buy direct from us on the website or you can check our dealer page and pick your favorite dealer and see what they have in stock. And if they don't have it in stock, ask them to re-up. Or if you don't see your, you know, us in your favorite shop, maybe ask them if they want to carry us. And that's how we grow and make friends. That's a great yeah. – I just want to point out, as a, as a matter of fact – um, you know, we talk about whenever we have builders and we're like, Hey, try to buy directly from the builders. Right? We all love Craigslist and we all love Reaver, but if we have the opportunity to support the people that are building these, we, we really encourage buying directly from them. That being said, if you are buying from a reputable shop or dealer, you are actually supporting the pedal builder. You don't have to go directly through there. And I think that is a distinction worth mentioning. All right, Indeed. Tony. Yes. Where can people find you? Go over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the wares I have to offer. But by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you're trying to do, what you think. Who knows? I might even have, you know, some suggestions for you. Pickguardian.com. Perfect. Billy. Billy Spitfire from Billy Spitfire Unlimited. You can find me on Instagram at Billy Spitfire. You can find me on Facebook. At Billy Spitfire Unlimited, Perfect. and you've and you've got a big art show coming up. I have here. a big art show coming up. Yeah, That's my first one. one. Yeah. Holiday Hop, Columbus, Ohio. Very exciting. Yeah, uh, you can send me an email, Todd at theguitarnobs.com. You can DM me on Instagram at guitarnobs, and I would very much encourage you and love for you to go listen to my band, the Villantinos. Anywhere you can stream stuff, I think you like it. I'm pretty sure you're going to like it. I mean, you might even love it. What's your MySpace account? Shut it, Tony. All right, <laughs> guys, Retroactive Pedals, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This yeah, thank awesome. you so much, Todd. And everybody else out there, have a fantastic guitar weekend. Subscribe! Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get this thing going. We're going to introduce ourselves real quick. And Hi! Then, oh, my gosh. Tony, I'm right here. Hi, Todd. They can hear you, too. They have got a mic. You have a microphone. They've got a microphone. <laughs> Everybody's got microphones. <laughs> yeah. Billy, do you have a microphone? I'm brain dead. Well, that doesn't help anybody out except me. Hey, can you move? No, Todd wants to move back from the mic. It's not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> he just starts going crazy. What's up, man? Oh, hey, hey how are you doing tonight? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just he just uh, started sharing the room with us. So uh. yeah, we're we have a triple bunk bed like the Three Stooges. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if you want me to turn on the Cajun accent for you guys, oh, oh yeah, man. just Do may it. just let me know, babe. I could hook that up real real quick. I just That's had some beautiful. gumbo. I got back from the swamp. I Everybody love gumbo. <laughs> He's about to jump on the mic in a minute. We got Tony Baloney here. I am. Uh, something else about Tony is that he works in a very, very small space doing that plastic. So then when he gets here, I'm all fumed out, just, man. He's all just like, what? He's like freaking 200 pound Fozzie Bear. 200 pounds. Thank you, Todd. Oh, yeah. 200, <laughs> 275. Sorry. 
involving your like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's like old dudes that are just out of shape and out of touch. And Tony, why you? did you just look up right there? <laughs> <laughs> I resemble that remark. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. So, I actually have a small glass of wine. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing fancy. It's just from Publix. I would have been so impressed if you would have called it Claret. No. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll edit yeah. it later. What? Yeah. We're going out live to 10 million people right now. So sit back and relax. Okay. There's the microphone. Because so, that means I'm just going to get through this, Tony. Why don't you just get through this, Todd? I had to write... The whole would you I know, rather. I know, I know. You know, and hey, I, I just can't take it anymore. I, I believe that. <laughs> Seven and nine. Hey, are we doing a podcast tonight? Well, now, yeah. <laughs> we are. Maybe what? I thought we were just on the, on the computer talking. It's going to be as perfect yeah. as Todd can get it. Okay. And away we go. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash the guitar knobs visit our website at the guitar for all of our past episodes four on the floor blog and other good stuff you can connect with us on social too at our facebook page and share your gear and stories on our facebook group also be sure to check out our instagram at guitar knobs catch you next time